On this edition of the Cubs or Recap Podcast, Gordon Whitmire and I talk about the contract issues with Marcus Stroman, lineup construction by David Ross and the Cubs front office and analytical team, and is there a turning point this weekend in the Cubs season? Welcome in to the Cubs Recap Podcast, the presentation of our recap channel here on YouTube and available audio only wherever you get your podcasts. With Gordon Wittenmeyer, I'm David Kaplan. We're here with you each and every week and whenever there is breaking news. All right, Gordon, let's get started. There's a lot to get to. Let's start with Marcus Stroman <laughs> deciding he needed to A, go to social media to complain that the Cubs haven't responded uh, adequately to have substantive negotiations about a contract extension and then had to tell the media, this is the only time I'm going to talk, but I'm going to talk about it. I don't understand why you need to go to social media. Look, they traded away Rizzo, Bryant, and Baez and let Contreras walk away for a draft pick. They are not going to be pressured under any circumstance, in my opinion. Your thoughts? It's the modern-day ball player, man. These are the tools in the toolbox for things like this. And that's what he's doing. It's also who Marcus Stroman is. It was part of the the friction in New York uh, with that media and with uh, some of that organization. I, I remember talking to him at the end of that last season before he became a free agent in New York, and I asked him, I said, I haven't seen anything on this, uh, but I'm sure they've talked to you. Uh, about possible extensions at some point in the season. He said, no, they haven't. I said, well, that seems strange. He says, yeah, it seems strange to me too. But this is part of what what the reasoning is behind that, right? I mean, um, the guy, when he's healthy, he's been their best pitcher. Uh, and he's been exceptional this year. But we know that in the offseason, he went to them, knowing he's got an opt-out. He's got this three-year contract. He's second year in. Uh, and wanted an extension. Well, coming off of last year for the club, that didn't make a lot of sense. But he saw it as something he wanted to do, maybe offering it to the club or whatever. Then he comes out and pitches well. And so now he probably feels in a position of power or, or, or leverage to talk about this. Uh, I agree with you. It's not going to make any difference for that front office. It may work against him. It probably will work against him. Um, but it's, uh, again, it, this is the modern landscape, uh, of, of athletes, right? He's doing what he's actually doing what some guys in other sports do. All right. So I'll give you my opinion first, and I'd love to hear your take. And I've debated this with so many different people, uh, online here, friends of mine, my brother, who's a huge baseball guy. I would sign him to an extension only if it was a shorter term extension, nothing longer than three years. I would prefer to have a higher AAV average annual value over two years tacked on say, I'll pick up the, pick up the option stay, Don't opt out. I'll tack two more years on it. I'll give you a higher AAV, but I'm not giving you not going to happen a four or five year extension. And if that's not good enough for him, then I will trade him and get what I can get, which I think should be a pretty significant haul. 
I'd love to see that offer made. And I'd, I'd love to know that that offer got made and see what his reaction is, because what his reaction would be to that would tell you everything you know about what he thinks his value is and how others value him, because he's obviously pitching very well. He's made an all-star team in the past. So this guy has done it in the past, but he's also had some issues here and there. Um, I called it friction earlier. I, I think that's probably the best word to use. So if people don't want to deal with that, they don't want to deal with his social media persona, or they don't they don't want to deal with some of the nuances of his his personality. Then, uh, and if and if he has an idea that that some people view him that way, then he might say that's a good deal. I'll take that, um, especially if it's a, a higher AAV than the roughly twenty five he's got on his contract now. Um, but uh, if he doesn't believe that then it would be foolish for him to take that. I mean, if that's not true, then it would be foolish for him to take that because coming off the kind of season he's having right now, he could opt out and, and get quite a bit more money. Uh, maybe, and, and at least. Okay. What would years. you, what would you offer him? Cause me personally, if I said to him, all right, you got an option next year. I think it's, it might be 25. I think that's what it is. I'd have to look. It's close. I think I'll it's 25. Okay. Opt, stay in, don't opt out on me, and I'll add two more years at $30 million a year. I don't think he takes that. I'm not prepared to go beyond that. I'm not. I, I think that would be fair. I think that would be, I think that might be more than they would offer. Um, I, I think you're going to see him. Uh, I think there's a good chance if he finishes the season healthy, and continues to pitch like he is, he's going to opt out because that's going to be the best business decision for him to make because I don't think he's going to get the extension offer that he's trying to leverage through the media. Um, and I think trying to leverage it through the media is not going to help the process. So uh, I, I think this is it. I mean, look, if, if Tyone, he's come around a little bit in his last three starts, June looks a whole lot different than April and May did. If he gets on track again, then you've got a guy for the next three years that you can kind of count on, at least in the middle of that rotation. Hendricks, we saw what he did in San Francisco. We'll see We'll see if he continues to stay healthy and looks good. He's got an option on his contract, and you might extend him for a couple more years. Um, and then you've, if Steele is healthy, see, what I'm, see where I'm going with this? You've got guys who, for a year or two, you might be able to count on at a lot less money. You've got young guys maybe coming behind that are way less money. And, and and if you wanted to give one of those long-term extensions to, you could offer it to a younger guy and probably for less money. So then you take the money you're saving on Stroman and you apply it to one other guy in the market if you want to go big and, and maybe pick off one more just really reliable guy. I'll tell you what. Look, Cap, we've talked about this, right? I mean, I cover uh, the Reds now in addition to doing um, the Cubs uh, with you. And I'm watching a team that's a very exciting offensive team. They're on a roll for the last roughly two months, and they've got awful starting pitching. If they had any semblance of what the Cubs have for starting pitching right now, they'd be running away with this division. So – that's what I'm saying is that if the Cubs wanted to, I mean, they, they, they have a little bit of a foundation in their rotation. They've got problems almost everywhere else. But if you take the Stroman money that you're talking about and don't apply it to him, 
apply it to keeping these other pieces and adding maybe one more, that might be the best way to go. Here are the free agents in the class of 24. Max Scherzer has an opt-out, which I don't think he's going to exercise. It gets him $43.3 million, uh next season. Otani, we've talked ad nauseum about him. Stroman, Kershaw's not going anywhere. Uh, Ryu is going to be 37, so you're not involved there. Charlie Morton's going to be 40, not involved there. Martin Perez is 30, just turned 32 a couple months ago. Uh, probably not going anywhere. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez has an opt-out in Detroit. He's almost 31. Julio Urias would be a guy that I would be interested in. He's tw- almost 27. And beyond that, there is not a ton of starting pitching in that you know ballpark. You've got uh, Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola is going to be unrestricted. Lucas Giolito unrestricted. Uh, Blake Snell is uh, available. I mean, there are a handful of guys. I don't think the Cubs are prepared to go four and five years on Stroman. I don't. No, I, I agree with you. Uh, I don't think Arias is going anywhere either. Uh, if the Dodgers want to keep him, they're going to keep him in. I think they will. Eduardo Rodriguez is is an interesting guy to watch. A lot of the guys on the list who could be free agents, I mean, you know, throw Otani out the window on that. He's a unicorn. That's uh, exceptional. But a lot of these other guys are going to stay where they are, right? Or, or uh, and then. Like, why would the Dodgers get rid of Julio Urias? Exactly. And then, and, and as you pointed out, Kershaw's going nowhere. Um, Martin Perez is pr- probably happy where he's at. And, and they'll probably try to find a way to make that work. Uh, so I like the idea of, I mean, Rodriguez is almost certainly gone, right? I mean, where Detroit is in, in their in their process. And I think he would be a nice fit. You've got a lot of other things coming. I also don't think that he's going to go out there and command five years. And so if he doesn't, then then that's exactly what you want, because you might have, you know, between Wisniewski and the, and the Ben Browns of the world and whoever's coming behind them, you, you might you feel like you have some options in the the near to midterm. So um, and you have plenty of other guys like we talked about that can get you through next year and maybe even a year after that. So uh, I don't think you have to. I don't think you have to 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 fight this fight to to pay whatever it takes with and I call it a fight but I don't you know with with Stroman I don't think you have to go super high with him I don't think you have to get involved in this this public thing that he's he's created uh let it play out I mean if if he falls to you because and it makes sense go ahead but um just stay the course and do what you want to do with that All right, let's talk also about lineup construction. How much do you believe that I've gotten this question for the podcast from 15 different people, either email, text, or social media? How much in lineup construction do you believe is David Ross? And how much do you believe he is handed a card? Here you go, David. There's your lineup for today. Because that's going on in a lot of places. Tampa is the first and foremost that tells them here's who you're using today. And here's how you're going to manage the game. Because if miles master Boney bats one more time 
as the freaking DH, I'm going to puke. Yeah, I think it's in between, Cap. I, you remember when uh, when Rossi got hired, one of the things that was said over and over kind of um, as an aside or insiders, right, was that, uh, you know, this this was the candidate that they could tell what to do. Now, I think that's an exaggeration, but I don't think it's wrong in the sense that he was a candidate they knew they could work with and would collaborate with them up the chain. I think that's what this lineup is between the geek geek department and the and the front office, Jed and the boys, and then and then Rossi, they get together and they decide that, you know, here's your here's your matchup metrics. Go. And is here's what we think. Now the the, the problem is, Cap, you can you can run this lineup out there in any friggin' order you want. You could draw it out of a hat like Joe did in Tampa. Uh, you're not gonna get a lot of better results. They're just not getting enough production in enough places that it's going to make that damn bit of difference. Uh, they, they're below average in run scored. They're below average in OPS plus. Um, that's how they were built. And with some of the guys that have gotten hurt along the way, that's about what you would expect. Um, that's why with the starting pitching they have, in addition to bullpen breakdowns, they stink. So, uh, they do have a rotation build on it. You know, they're going to sell at the deadline. I mean, I, uh, you know, I'll bet the damn house on that right now as we sit here. And so at the rest of the season, they don't have a lot to sell. They don't have a lot to sell, but you're going to sell what you can. And you got Bellinger on rehab. Now he's going to be coming back. If he's healthy and he does anything at all for a few weeks, he's gone. Um, Stroman might be a guy. Right. And, and so you, you know, you, you kind of ask yourself, Hendricks has got a lot of value. There's going to be people asking about him. I don't think you, I don't think you trade him uh, because of some of the things we've already talked about, but, but Stroman has put himself in a position. Maybe this is part of his calculus on this. He's put himself in a position where he becomes even more attractive to possibly trade at the deadline. And, uh, you know, the benefit to him is obviously he goes into a pennant race then. Yeah, because no one's paying for him unless they feel like he's the missing piece, right? Right, and and there isn't a lot of starting pitching out there. If he, you're gonna you're gonna give up a, a hefty price for him uh, if if you're a team that's one starter away from doing something. He's the kind of starter that can handle a lot of lineups in the postseason too because of his style of pitching and his veteran status. Uh, I think that, I think that he could, he could get a good price at the deadline. Okay. I want to go back to this whole master bony as the DH thing. <laughs> Cause I literally pick up my phone every day and I look at the lineups around the game. I check all the lineups and I look and I go, no, this got to be a joke. This has got, he's hitting a 153. He just came back from the minors. You're making him the DH. And David has been quoted, Ross, well, we're going to give Nick Madrigal every chance to be the everyday third baseman. Uh, are you kidding? Is this a joke? We're in Chicago here. This is not the A's. And you have a, there's no one in your organization that can hit better than a buck fifty freaking three to be the DH. Well, now, That's- now you're getting you're getting hung up on DH. It's it's just a spot in the order, Cap. It's so so when you look around at where you're putting all your fielders, 
you're filling all that in. If you think Master Boney fits as a bat somewhere, then maybe DH is what's left. I mean, I wouldn't get so hung up on the definition of what a DH is. Uh, you know, they've got better options at, uh, at positions where he would otherwise play. So I don't, I don't think that in itself. If you want to argue about whether you should be in the lineup at all, fine. We can have that debate. But I wouldn't get hung up on the DH end of it. Um, and as far as Madrigal Gordon, goes, when you have a designated hitter, he's supposed to be someone that strikes fear in the opposing pitcher and goes, boy, we got to be careful with that guy. He's a run producer. He's hitting 153. Last night's lineup had Tucker Barnhart, Miles Mastroboni, Nick Madrigal, and Matt Mervis. Okay, Barnhart works well with Tyone. He's been a gold glover. He can't hit. Fine. Master uh, Mervis, he's a kid. We're letting him develop. Let's try it. Mastroboni and Madrigal in the same goddamn lineup is awful. Okay, two things there. First, what decade do you think this is? Striking fear into the opponent because you're a, quote, DH is is an old school way of looking at DH. The DH is used as a as a way to rotate players through a spot in the National League. It's brand new. It's a way to maximize your roster. It's it's not you're getting hung up on what the classic definition is. Nobody uses the classic definition anymore unless you have that guy. Those are rare. So uh, there, if you you do not want to be a team that has to devote that spot to one guy because that means you got a it means you got a, a deficit of a fielder on your team and your and your uh, roster's not as strong as it can be. Uh, as far as having Madrigal and Mashraboni and these guys in the same lineup goes back to what I said, Cap. They're a crappy hitting team. We said that coming in. I said that coming in on paper, and they're actually better than I thought they would be because Bellinger has produced when he's been healthy. So, but Hosmer was what we both thought he might be. You know, Mervis came up and had a chance. He's had glimpses, but he's not there yet. You know, maybe the next time, right? Or maybe he figures out something here in the in soon. I, I don't know. Uh, I think he'll be okay in the long run, but right now he's not there. So you're getting no production out of first base. Um, and and now and now you know, other than your middle infield and a, and a couple outfields, you know, Hap left the game the other day. Uh, you know, Suzuki's had his issues, even though on overall he's doing pretty well. Uh, Jan Gomes has come a little bit back down to earth. Tucker Barnhart's never been a hitter. Madrigal is playing because you don't have anybody else. You know, when, the, when you look across the entire landscape, you, you don't have that many guys. And two, you got to see if this guy can be who you hoped he was when you traded for him, because if not, he's got to be out at the end of this year. So if he can play for you, you got to figure out where he's going to play. He's not going to play in the middle infield. If he can't play third base, I don't know where he plays. So you've got you've to force feed some games on him. Rossi tries to say, well, we're not in a place where you see what you can get from a guy because that's what losing teams do. Well, sorry, they're a losing team. They're a team that's going to sell. And if you, if you want to believe that they're only five and a half games out right now, whatever it is, uh, you, know, you, can, you can have faith. But within a week or two, if this doesn't write itself in a big freaking winning streak kind of way, then – then the, the, even the biggest optimists in the world can't really hang their head on anything. Let me give you a stat. Can I give you a stat? 
Bring it on. All right. This team was 12 and 7 after their win on April 21st. They're 17 and 30 since then. Do you know who's got a better record than that? The Oakland Every, Everybody else in the National League Central, the crappy freaking National League Central, everybody's better than that. The Reds are 26 and 22. They're the only team with a winning record in that stretch, but everybody's better than the Cubs for the last almost two months. And it's not an aberration. It's not because something is, is amiss that, that defies what their roster is. That's what it is. So uh, they've got, you know, it's kind of like last year at some point with more pieces in play. Get the pieces right. Figure out what you got so that maybe next offseason you can acquire those two, three pieces like you did each of the last two. And then they make a difference because you've locked in so many other pieces. But you're not there yet. You're not there this year. How close or how far away, in your opinion, I look at this team and I don't see one guy other than maybe Dansby Swanson that would hit in the top four for any of the top teams in the National League. It's certainly in terms of run production, they don't have anybody. Dansby's more of a table-setting, two-hole hitter that you could put in any of those other lineups. But even the worst team in the division, the Cardinals, we don't have a Nolan Arenado. We don't have a Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, what the hell, man? How are they going to get any type of impact bat here? That's that's the key, right? And it it might not necessarily take like a monster, right? Like an Aaron Judge or, or, or you know, one of those huge bats in the middle of the order. You might not need that. But short of that, what you do need is some more Nico Horners, some more Dansby Swansons. Um, you know, some, some more Seiya Suzuki's guys who um, can handle the bat can do a few things for you. Honestly, the two guys in the middle of the yard, got more athletic guys. If you, if you have a few more athletic guys that can go first to third more often, that could steal a base once in a while with these new rules in play. You, because right now they're right back where they were last year in terms of run scoring. They're below yeah. average. Agreed. They're, they're, they're less than four and a half runs a game. They're below average. They need to get that above four and a half runs a game. They need to get that close to five. They're doing a good job of starting pitching, which is the most important part of baseball. So keep that as a strength. And, you know, they missed on the bullpen this year. They actually did a good job the last two years of putting together uh, a bullpen that had a crew that could hold a lead. They haven't this year. So maybe there's a reason for faith that they can do it next year and put that into place. You got to do something with what you're doing with your lineup. It may not have to be, like I say, the big expensive hitter, but take a look at this Baltimore Orioles team that they're going to play. A lot of young kids in there. Some of them have some pop. They also have a lot of speed and versatility in that lineup. Um, this, this Reds team that I've seen a lot of lately, a lot of guys with speed. They don't hit a lot of home runs, but they've got some they, they can uh, they put the ball in play. They run like hell, and they also see pitches. So they're, if you put the Cubs pitching with the Reds lineup, they'd, it'd be, it'd, it'd be uh, first place by 10 games right now. That, that's, so they need to fill some gaps there with some guys that can do multiple things. I'll tell you what, Cap, look at that Orioles series. 
the season the season's gonna gonna end or start in that Orioles series. They they've got uh, Steele coming back probably Saturday from the IL. If he can pick up where he left off, that's a great sign, and you got a chance to win that game. You got Hendricks coming off the no hit bid, opening that series, and I think Tyone should be scheduled to. They don't have any of the probables in officially in place yet, but I think Tyone would be the Sunday game. And he's the guy that's begun to turn his season around this month. If they can be, if they can win two out of three against a really, really good Orioles team and pitch, then you might, then you can go, you can go tell me to shut the hell up, which a lot of people on Twitter do anyway. But, but if they don't, and even if they only don't give me this crap, well, they won only one game, but they played really well. That ain't going to cut it. They got to win some games, and that's the kind of team they got to compete against. Well, let's take care of business on the Pirates on Wednesday, finish the series, and then the Orioles roll into town. Gordon, have a great day, man. All right, you too, Cap. That's my guy, Gordon Whitmire. You get us each and every week here on the Cubs Recap Podcast. Please, no more Miles Mastroboni as the DH. Please, I'm begging you, David Ross, Jed Hoyer, and your analytic team. For Gordon, I'm Cap. Find us on YouTube and anywhere you get your podcast for the audio-only version. Take that.